Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Now, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So, therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. The Gospel of the Lord. It's worth repeating something I've said before, and that is, on a Sunday when we hear a gospel like this, I'm surprised more of you are not making your way for the door right now. The sense that we gather from Luke's telling is that this teaching arises at a time when Jesus is popular and the crowds are following him. Word has gotten out and it's kind of fun. Here is this wonderful teacher and healer. Let's go after him. It's a good time because there are lots of people we know with us on this journey. It's a wonderful time because things are going well right now. Jesus turns around and in very stark rabbinical terms confronts their comfort in being part of the crowd reminds them and reminds us centuries later that discipleship is costly. It demands a great deal of each of us. If, as Jesus would say, we have ears to hear. All of our readings today touch on very deep themes about the human condition and our calling as the people of God. And it opens with that mythic piece right out of Deuteronomy. This is Moses offering his capstone teaching to the ancient Israelites. Not only on the threshold of the promised land, but we get the sense on the eve of Moses' death, He is offering his final wisdom and instructions to the people who have followed him for generations in the wilderness. And he casts things in stark terms. 
before I before you this day I lay life and death blessings and curses The sense is that Moses like God knows this people well by now They've been in the wilderness and they have struggled that's what Israel means with God for a long time. Sometimes they have followed faithfully, and sometimes they have fallen away from faith. To this day, our Jewish siblings hear this reading as foundational to what it means to lay claim to the instructions they have received from their ancestors about how to be a people together and to lay claim to something that is about their identity. It's not just instructions. It is a way of being, and it is a way of being in relationship and in love with their God. In that sense of discipleship, as we would call it, costs something. It means something must be given up to embrace this new way. For the ancient Israelites, it was giving up the old ways, the old ways of being in Egypt, of being enslaved, of being possessed, for the new way of being a free people. And some might even say of being a civilization after having wandered in the sticks for so long. That's the big picture, but then we get the small, intimate picture in probably one of the most intimate letters of the Christian writings of Scripture. Paul's letter to Philemon. And it's worth unpacking a little bit because it's instructive about what Jesus is getting to in the gospel today. We get the sense that Philemon was the leader of a house church planted by Paul. And the story apparently is that one of Philemon's slaves, Onesimus, had run away, which in the Greco-Roman world was a criminal act. In fact, it gave Philemon full rights to even kill him if he returned or was found. Onesimus, at some point, came to Paul's door. At this time, Paul was under house arrest in Rome. Paul welcomed him in, probably recognizing who he was, and Onesimus was baptized, became Christian, and then he helped Paul. But at some point, Paul and his companions figured out that this was going to be trouble. Trouble not only for Onesimus, but trouble for Paul, too. How was he going to explain to Philemon that he was now sheltering his runaway property? So Paul composes a letter to Philemon, and he lays it on thick. Did you catch it? 
I would instruct you, but I would prefer you choose this out of love. I would tell you what to do, my brother, but I would prefer you do the right thing of your own volition. And it goes on. Paul's language is much more eloquent than mine, right? That's why he's Paul. But the bottom line is that Paul is trying to resolve something fundamental that is flawed in his society. And that is the sense that we have possessions and we have full rights over them, even if they're people. In the Greco-Roman world, the paterfamilias, the patriarch of the household, had full possession over everyone, including his wife and his children and any slaves, if there were any in the household. And that critical concept was suddenly in jeopardy because something new had happened when the gospel showed up and people were being baptized, slave and free, male and female. All of the family and property arrangements were turned upside down as a consequence. So Paul is at great pains to try to prevail on Philemon to welcome Onesimus back, not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ, as someone who is equal to him by virtue of baptism. Whether Paul's successful or not, we never know. We don't get the end of the story. But this is how incredibly personal this element of the gospel is in Paul's world and in ours. And why Jesus gets so personal right off the bat when he turns to the crowds in the gospel today. It's personal for us, too. I'll tell you, after 20 years of experience as a pastor, almost every pastoral issue that comes into my office has to do with possessiveness. A sense of possession, oftentimes a sense of possession and control over those who are closest to us. Spouses, friends, children, parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles. There is nothing more natural in the world in our family relationships and blood ties than to feel like we possess and control those who are nearest and dearest to us. Jesus confronts precisely that natural element in our family lives, in our married lives, in our friendships, and even in the relationships in a community like a parish. Jesus is calling on the crowds and calling on us 
to let go a little bit more. To recognize that until our hands are emptied and open of our desire to control and possess others, we will not be able to embrace the deep and profound truths of the gospel. We will not be able to become fully disciples, followers of Jesus on the way. What we're talking about letting go of is to enable us to embrace something that is profound and yet it hides in plain sight. It goes all the way back to the first century and is the language that we have used in Christian community for centuries. In that first century world, Christians began to buck the wider culture when they started to refer to each other with familial terms. Brother, sister, father, mother, son, daughter, beloved, That is to say, the whole world was turned upside down by Christians who began to believe, as they still say to this day in the East, that the water of baptism runs thicker than blood. That is to say, when we let go all the ways we try to have control and possession in our lives, we are opened to begin to receive the new family that God is offering us. I look around you. Look around. It's okay. These things called necks, they allow us to turn our heads, right? This is your new family by virtue of baptism. And it's an extended family. It goes out of these doors and all over the globe. Some would even argue it even extends to people of other faiths. This sense in which this new family is here to usher in a new world. But in order to embrace it, we have to let go of the things that we possess and control. For most of us, that's a journey. For most of us, we get up each morning and say, okay, I'll try letting go just a little bit more. Just a little bit, this much more. The good news is that God's grace looks for cracks like that and still finds its way in. But it is a journey, is it not? Jesus knows, and indeed the gospel writers tell us, that while Jesus is popular, the crowds will be big. But when Jesus is unpopular, the crowds will shrink. When the going gets tough, that's when our discipleship is truly tested. 
That's when our desire to control and possess others and the things in our lives will not help us. Letting go will. That letting go is what lets God in. Begins the transformation of our lives into becoming God's new family. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.